2: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me all the way from the land of the Red Dragon is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Yo. How's it happening? Yeah. Anyways, uh, also joining us today, which I'm kind of excited about because he will be coming over here for Spirit Quest this year, and... uh, uh, we've known him on and off, of course, Steve knows him far more than me. I mean, actually, I think he's one of your minions, uh, so I'm not sure about that. But uh, anyways, Mr. Dylan Jones.
3: Good evening, Ron. How are you?
2: Good. I, are you Steve's minion? Is is that how it works?
3: Yeah, something like that. Minion, general dog's body, um, all that sort of thing, yes. But you know, anyways, I, 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 I and really in really the dog, sure dog, dog, dog house. Sorry?
1: And in the dog house. Yes.
3: Yeah, the, sh- for- the shed. For-
1: no, he called, he, he tweeted earlier and called Anne, his colleague, when in fact she's his supervisor. Oh. <laughs> it's oh, only no. getting technical oh, Seri- now,
2: Lee. Seriously? That would, that would cause a rift? With wow. Anne? Yeah. Woman. She's not a
1: lady to be trifled with.
2: Woman, that's what I tell you.
1: Don't say that to her face.
2: <laughs> Why, is she not a woman?
1: Huh? No. Why, she not a woman? Oh, shit. Oh, every bit of woman.
2: Oh, there you go then. So, why was my why was my uh, statement invalid?
1: Or try saying it to her face and see what happens.
2: I would, I would. I think she's a fine woman, and uh founder co-founder of Parascience. Uh, she's got more degrees than I have, so I, I bow to her superior intelligence. Any other questions? No. There you go. So, moving right along. Uh, Dylan is... Dylan, where are you, by the way?
3: I'm actually in the capital city of my homeland. I'm in Cardiff in Wales. Tonight?
2: Cardiff a uh, Wales. Oh, okay. So that's you know, your capital city of your... Well, isn't that kind of like just the, the capital of the state or something like we have in Massachusetts? not like the capital of the country.
3: Oh, it a
1: country. Oh, it is. It's not a country. It's a principality.
2: Ooh. Big word. Steve's... Steve's in one of these moods today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so, uh, are you far? Is Carter kind of far from uh, uh, where uh, Steve lives somewhere? It's about 60 miles. 60 miles as the crows flies? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, Wales is only like 120 miles across, isn't it? <laughs> uh, not
1: even that far, is it, Dylan? It's about <laughs> 90 at its widest and about 150 end to
2: end. Yes. Yeah. See most people don't understand. I mean they 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 know Wales is part of Britain or part of the UK excuse me or whatever and uh they they really don't understand the size or even, even a lot of times where the hell it is. And uh so it's it's always good to give out that information, you know, in regards to uh uh the the geolo- geographic location of a particular place where you're in. Anyway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so you are a member of uh, Parascience as well, right? That's right, yeah, I am, yes. And and were you c- recruited or, or did you uh, beg to join?
3: Uh, I was actually invited uh, by, by Lord Parsons. Um,
2: Lord Parsons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
3: actually uh, invited. I, yeah, the, the more right people on. beg to join,
1: the less chance they've got of getting in. Yeah, you
2: know, I, I, I kind of obj- object to that statement because Parsons really isn't a lord, and, and although I am, I don't plot <laughs> my title. Uh, anyway, we don't we don't throw that title around very easily, us lords. You know. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Anyways, moving right along, we have a great show, and this is going nowhere, so we better change it very quickly. Yeah. And uh, Steve informed me that this is some kind of a special holiday in, in the Principality of Wales.
3: It is. For tomorrow is our uh, national uh, holiday. Uh, uh, no, don't give us the day off. It's called St. David's Day.
1: It's Thursday, not tomorrow.
3: But, you know, I wouldn't know that being English, would I? Do you know what? Because I'm working nights, I'm losing complete track of my time. <laughs> so David's day is the first of March, isn't it? Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah, day after tomorrow.
2: So it'd be like three days away for us. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's, a, it's a rare day when all of the Welshmen dress as daffodils, which is a form of narcissus flower, and uh, yes, onions. Yes, we have
2: daffodils here in the states as well. Yeah,
1: and uh, they also dress as onions.
3: Excuse Eats, me, Julie. As a leak, a leak. Yes, be specific. I know it's a leaky kind of onion, but uh, yeah, leeks and daffodils.
2: Uh, one thing I was interested—I I th- I thought I saw in the calendar, and, and I'm looking for it now, and I really don't see it—is I believe that in Canada they they celebrate that on a different day. Do you? Are you aware of that? I'm not aware of that. How about you, Steve? No, no, it not um, No, it's it's the same day. It was my era. My era.
1: I was gonna say, I mean, it, it, this saints day isn't one of those movable feasts like
2: Yeah, East that's why of... I was surprised, but no it was my error. I was looking at the wrong month, so it was totally my error. So what what is Saint David and, and why is he getting a day off, everybody getting a, a day off from work in his name? Getting the day off. Behave. Oh getting the day off. Yeah. We well, I you... well, Steve is
1: yeah, well he always gets a day off. Um, well Saint David or Dowie um, dates back to the 6th century um, and he is now the patron saint of Wales he was a native of Wales and uh, they know quite a bit about him actually except when he was born um, the various dates have been suggested from 462 to 512 obviously I'm reading this and he was traditionally thought to be the son of Saint Non and the grandson of God Alpers Ceredig Ap Cunedda the King of Ceredigion. Of what? Um, and he...
2: Of what? Ceredigion?
1: Uh, yeah, Ceredigion. Wales is divided into counties that obviously have Welsh names. Um, Ceredigion is north of Dovid, Pembrokeshire, where I am, and um, it's, in fact it's immediately north of us. But St. David's, his capital city, um, and his... Cathedral City is actually in Pembrokeshire, about uh, 12 miles north of where I am, uh, with St. David's Cathedral. And, um, yeah, um, he's he's performed a number of miracles. Um, uh, let's see. His best-known miracle said, is said to have taken pra- place while he was
2: teaching. You the, should, shouldn't you let the Welshman actually tell us what, it, what he does instead of the <laughs> Englishman? Thank you, Ron.
1: He can tell you all about the Welsh customs and traditions. Oh, I'm okay. Sti- I'm sticking to safe territory. It's called Wikipedia. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: His best oh, known- yeah. safe <laughs> territory.
1: His best-known miracle is said to have been preaching uh, in front of a large crowd at Llandiwi Brevi, um, which, again, is in Pembrokeshire. And uh, he was reported to have risen up or he, f- he made the ground rise up to form a small hill and a white dove, which later became his emblem, was seen settling on his shoulder. So, although he's actually, his mother was, well, his mother's from Pembrokeshire as well, St. Norm, because her church is in Pembrokeshire as well. Um, His father was the king of Caradigion, but he hails from um, Pembrokeshire, apparently. Amazing. As does another patron saint, apparently as well, Steve. Yes, Patrick. Yes, the Irish patron saint is 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 of uh, Welsh nationality from Pembroke. Yes. Oh, he is and was a and was a uh, compatriot of Saint David, mm-hmm. um, Saint Padraig, as he as he's known in Ireland, uh, is actually a Welsh na- native who was uh, variously abducted by pirates and carried off to Ireland, uh, where he was raised in a, in the monastic lifestyle, or um, simply swam across to Ireland where he was raised in the monastic lifestyle and became the patron saint of Ireland after getting rid of all the snakes. God bless him.
2: Was this this before Strongbow or did his little thing? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: But Dylan is, Dylan is uh, an expert on Welsh folklore and mysticism. Um, and, of course, the ghosts he spent... In fact, only, only yesterday he telephoned me from... Um, one of Wales's most haunted castles, where he was preparing for spirit
2: Quest. Excellent. Did you yes, see a ghost, Dylan?
3: No, no. There's nothing, nothing wandering around, wandering through walls or anything like that. Yesterday, oh,
2: unfortunately. Bulla.
3: Any celebrities?
2: <laughs> yeah, Dylan was there.
3: <laughs> no, it's a fascinating place. I'm looking forward to. Um, Showing Cardiff Castle to everybody when they come over in, in, in September.
2: Oh, excellent. And uh, this is, you know, this is pretty good. You actually go out and do your research on, on some of these places. Uh, a lot of people just use Wikipedia like Parsons. And. Uh, <laughs> Thanks
1: for me. I, I could have used the, uh, the Catholic Directory of Saints, but it's. Just, oh, there you go. Just, I just had a reach. So I thought I'll resort to Wiki because it's only the basic stuff. <laughs> Even Wiki can't screw that up.
2: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've seen some pretty bad stuff on there. I'm sorry, <laughs> but anyways. Uh, so, yeah, it, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little confused. I thought it was a holiday, but it's not a holiday.
3: It is um, classed as uh, our national day, but unfortunately. Um, The last, the last time I think um, Parliament were asked, I think it was when Tony Blair was asked if um, we could have it as a national holiday and have the day off, and he said no. Damn, English. Yeah, that's that's what what I thought. Words to that effect. No, in
1: fact, I don't think any of the um, British saints have a a day off as a celebratory day, do they? Uh, We have a national. No. None of them are, are public holidays. So the Welsh weren't getting any special privileges We don't have one for St. George The Irish, well the Irish are so drunk on St. Patrick's Day <laughs> uh, I think being Welsh, it's the privilege, Steve Well, uh, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> nobody wants to work on, on your Saints Day Particularly when you smell of onions
2: <laughs> Yeah, okay So what? how do you celebrate St. Uh, David's Day?
3: Well, there are a number of things that people actually do. And one of the things is getting, you know, certainly when it comes to the kids, they go to school in the national costumes. Um, They usually uh, wear, as Steve said, a daffodil or a leek. Um, In fact, it was Shakespeare who popularized this idea that wearing a leek originated as a recognition of Welsh soldiers' uh, bravery um, uh, in a battle against the French. um, did
2: they beat them together with carrots.
3: Well, I don't know. But I mean, uh, in Henry V, Shakespeare mentioned the fact that they wore them. But um, there's also a fact that uh, to differentiate uh, in a battle with the Saxons, the Welsh, um, because their clothing was quite similar, decided to fix uh, a leak uh, onto what they were wearing so they, yeah. they could tell each other apart from the uh, from the enemy. So
2: that's so another You just meaning. painted all your faces like Braveheart and then you've been all set.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, Whether that actually happened, I don't know. Mel Gibson's got a lot to answer
2: for there. Yeah, I guess he does. But anyway, so, so that's how the tradition came about. It was from yeah. a, a battle and, and to differentiate the armies, which, you know, it, it, that's kind of important when you try to kill someone to make sure you kill the right person. Yeah. Yeah, very, very good. I very good idea. I have still no clue why they used a leak, but that's besides the point. Well,
1: actually, well it came about due to a, a simple mistake because um, the general shouted across, "I'm just nipping over here for a leak." Thirty <laughs> thousand of his followers reached into the hedgerows and picked one up as well.
2: Oh, well, there you go. I knew there was a logical explanation, and parascience would get to the bottom of it. <laughs> exactly. We bring you all the research. Yes. <laughs> A but
1: uh, if, you, if you come to Pembrokeshire, if, 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 if anybody does head to Pembrokeshire, I was talking about St. David's uh, Cathedral earlier, is where he's buried. By tradition. Um, yeah, he's buried in St. David's Cathedral. His <laughs> shrine is there. Um, and it is a place of great pilgrimage. In fact, through the Middle Ages, it was one of the primary pilgrim routes um, in in. Europe. Uh, it was one of those ones that you got certain advantages if you did a pilgrimage to St. David's because it was considered such a remote uh, and difficult place to reach.
2: So See, that's what a lot of people don't understand, though, Steve, is is that, you know, all this saint stuff and miracles and everything, that's really paranormal to a degree. And unless less it's been explained, of course, but uh, it, there are unexplained things, which is kind of what paranormal is, until we have an explanation for it, or we consider it paranormal, or, according to you, unexplained. Well, there's a huge amount
1: of mysticism just associated with St. David's. I mean, again, staying in Pembrokeshire, because it's on the route to St. David's, is a place called Nevin, um, where there is a cross that's been etched, in, it's a huge cross, it's about uh, eight or nine feet tall. And it's been carved or etched into the rock wall, um, and it covers a now sealed-up entranceway to something. And it's been various suggested that uh, it's the Holy Grail, that uh, there are other holy relics placed there. But Nevin was a was a primary route uh, stopping off place for the pilgrims it was the final stop before they reached St David's and it's a place that it has a weeping uh, yew tree in the churchyard at Nevin uh, a tree that bleeds um, and is said to date back to the time of Christ and has the area around Nevin um, and again associated with the pilgrim route to St David's is, is a place of um, there is a great deal of mysticism surrounding it. Books have been written about it, articles have been written about it, about the Nevin Cross and what it means, uh, and about the the bleeding yew tree at Nevin Church.
2: Have they done any any uh, any research or, or, or studies to what is behind the the cross? Is there like they, have they used ground penetrating uh, radar? And your your trumpets are done your trumpets done? By the way, I heard it. Yeah, thing. the trumpets are done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, they so, ha- no, no, they haven't. Um, why is that? Uh, like, do you know what, I can't answer that question, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but there have been a number of speculations and a number of uh, theories put forward that it relates to King Arthur, inevitably, that it relates to the Holy Grail, that the Holy Grail is stored in this um, secret chamber that's behind the cross, and the cross is a market of the chamber, Um there is a lot of mystery and mysticism still in this very remote part of Wales. You know, we are only 60 miles to the, uh, west of the, the capital city, Cardiff, if we're dealing yeah, with. Yeah. Um, but we are a re- very remote, probably with even closer links to Ireland than Wales in reality.
2: Yeah, I know. But, uh, I mean, th- th- there's so much, uh, that we can do right now. I mean, even uh, when we explored uh, Turtle Mound, and uh, which is in our new book, by the way, More Ghost Chronicles, coming out in October, uh, they had used uh, ground penetrating radar to find a grave that they found uh, had a person in it with a, a sword. And they were able to do this without disturbing the grave or anything. So we have the scientific ability to do a lot of things without desecrating or, or uh, disturbing uh, uh, archaeological finds and stuff. <laughs> oh, great!
1: Again, it comes down to money. Uh, it comes down to uh, the finances. You know, British archaeology isn't isn't terribly well funded.
2: Right. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, but well, I'll talk to to Dylan on this. Dylan, you worked for the BBC, but the BBC, I assume, as you ha- as we have here with the Smithsonian or Travel Channel, is that they finance these various expeditions to do TV shows on it. Has has there anything but they do like that at the BBC, uh, Dylan, or or is it? Am I speaking out of turn?
3: I mean, they have done things like that, but I think you'll find that uh, a lot of the programs that. Um, would do that kind of thing. Like, we had one in the UK called Time Team, which was incredibly popular. Um, that was um, that was funded by a, a private company, and then it was bought by the channels. Um, and it ran for many, many years, and they used to do that kind of thing uh, oh, wow. with some incredible results. Um, um, but it, I don't think the BBC have done much of that of late.
2: Okay. Is, is that because the country's going down the tubes or... A- I, don't know. <laughs> it's open I no Everything's open men. Oh, okay <laughs> I just wasn't sure uh, So, Steve, you, you mentioned this this place of Which I forgot the name of it already It Nem- begins with an end, though, I do know that Nevin Nevin, yes And uh, it, it, you said it's a pilgrimage site as well? A pilgr- pilgrimage site?
1: It was, it was and still is um, A very popular pilgrimage site and a place of, you know, great, a great deal. I'm, I'm going to put a link onto it shortly. A, a place of great um, um, mystical significance. Uh-huh. In, in, adi- in addition, I mean, it has the famous bleeding yew tree. Um, but there are also a number.
2: That alone is worth the trip there.
1: Well, it has a very large, impressive cross in the churchyard. Um... That dates to the late Saxon period, so you thought the ninth or tenth century. Um, it's inscribed in Latin, if I remember rightly. Um, it, it's it's well, it, it's truly awesome in size. It's it's you know from memory, it's about twelve feet tall, um, and yeah. stands in the churchyard next to the yew tree. But then there's a short walk um, up
2: a path. Do, do you think do you think it's more impressive than the Westford Knight?
1: Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, You couldn't cover this with a slab of wood. Oh, okay. Uh, And it's a sprawling, you know, it's a Saxon or uh, a sort of mid, uh, a pre-Norman conquest church dating back to the 3rd, 4th century. So uh, a contemporary of St. David, uh, although it's actually, I'm trying to remember his name, St. Brinnock. It's the Church of St. Brinnock. Um. And it has this awesome cross just outside the door, the yew tree immediately next to it, and then there is a short walk of maybe a quarter, third of a mile up to the cross, which is a big, big feature on a, on a bare rock wall uh, with, with this rock passage uh, that's been sealed up behind it or near it.
2: And, and I have to ask a question And I don't mean any disrespect to anyone out there Is that uh, A lot of these saints were, were Catholic saints And when the Church of England Came into existence Do they still recognize the Catholic saints?
1: Uh, they still very much do um, St. David, St. Patrick St. George uh, St. Edmund uh, Because England is unique It has uh, two patron saints um, but they're all they're all Catholic saints, you know. We we retained our saints. Um, oh, okay, that's good. When, when we changed over, because in actuality, uh, when when Henry VIII is famously uh, known for uh, advocating the Protestant faith, but in reality, it was his son Edward um, who was the great champion of of uh, Protestantism. Henry just wanted to be the head of the Catholic Church in Great Britain, um, and so many of the the uh, churches re- retained all of the uh, Catholic um, beliefs, ceremonies, rituals. His 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 objection to the Pope was, of course, because he wanted to get divorced and the Pope wouldn't let him. So he
2: he didn't realized, pay him enough money, evidently.
1: Well, he decided. Well, you know, the Pope shouldn't have the final say. Therefore, I I am the head of the church in my country. He didn't set up a separate church. That was essentially done by his son, Edward.
2: Okay. okay. See? that's. I mean, we, we in the States, we, we we hear certain things, and we get certain things out of it, and that's of course, sometimes they're they're not accurate, and that's why it's great to have someone uh, who is actually, you know, knows what they're talking about to, you know, straighten the books out of some of these things, which is, you know, intriguing. It's like, I'm sure there are a lot of things about the United States that you can't figure out an awful lot about the United States you can 't
1: figure
2: out, yeah, we still have Dylan here, or did uh, he fall asleep on us? No, no, I'm just listening intently. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you are uh, <laughs> So Dylan, what are some of the other traditions uh, uh, around uh, do you have like for instance, do you have a, a, a particular meal that is eaten that day or: or... yeah,
3: there, there are traditional Welsh recipes, um, and one of, of course, one of the big dishes in Wales is, is lamb. Um, and funnily enough you've actually found a Welshman who does not like lamb so you won't find me uh, eating it but they have a dish called cowl um, which is you know a very popular dish in Wales
0: um,
3: and it's a bit like a sort of a stew um, it's uh, made usually with lamb, uh, water, potatoes, swede, uh, onions and carrots, leeks uh, mixed in with herbs and it's a real hearty meal um, often served uh, on St David's Day and, but it's it's still popular for the rest of the year as well.
2: Oh, excellent. Uh, I mean, of I... of course, I, the
3: Welsh cakes.
2: Yeah, what's a oh, Welsh, Welsh cake? Cakes. Oh. What's a Welsh cake?
3: My gran used to make them. They're absolutely fantastic. They're more like a scone, but flatter. Um, okay. And they're baked on a, on a griddle, on a, on a stove. Um, oh, they're, they're lovely. I'll see if I can bring some over.
2: Are they stuffed or are they uh, no. just... No.
3: No no they're just like a, a, a bit like a pastry kind of thing
2: like with, flaky with, like like a croissant
3: no it's it's more solid than that um okay. with currants in it and it's really nice
2: with what currants raisins oh yeah 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 okay yeah sounds uh, interesting so
1: <laughs> <laughs> no they're really nice they're, they're made they? with the, yeah, they they're very buttery very mm. uh, it's it's a tradition in, with the Welsh. My obviously, Cat's my wife's uh, Welsh, and uh, it's you know it's, it seems to be a tradition amongst all the Welsh families that there is a variation on how to make Welsh cakes passed down from grandmother to mother to daughter, and uh, they the best ones are made purely on um, a cast iron griddle plate, and the older yeah. the cast iron griddle plate, the better. You know some of these uh, the ones. But yes. your very seasoned. The one that we have is at least 100 years old and has been seriously
2: I'm as Trave- old as our country, huh? <laughs> tra-
1: tra- travelling down <laughs> through the family, um, making Welsh cakes every St. David's Day mm. and at every other time. I mean, you can even buy Welsh cake
3: flavoured ice cream now, yeah. really? It's, yeah, <laughs> in St. David's, they got um, there's an ice cream shop there that does it.
2: This is intriguing, uh, you know. I, I and seriously, I, I never heard of a, a Welsh cake, uh, and so, uh, and I love food, <clears throat> and I love to cook. So that, it's that's essentially intriguing.
1: just flour, butter, milk, uh, raisins, or other. I mean, there are modern variations. Some of them are chocolate right, chi- yeah. get chocolate chip ones. Yeah, now. I'm sure
2: they're produced yeah. commercially now too, as yeah. well.
1: Oh God, yeah, but they're they're. They're only produced in a, a relative handful of bakeries in and around Wales. Um, oh, really?
2: But you know, out, out is here it strictly in, local to Wales? Otherwise, you wouldn't find them in England or Ireland or, don't or, or Welsh Scotland. In
1: England or Ireland or Scotland, no. They're only oh. uh, they're only found in Wales. Uh, some of the major uh, Welsh bakeries do them, and the regional bakeries. Um, but most people make their own.
2: Huh. So it's like it's like a traditional family thing as well. Yeah. yeah so, so I know. So you know so So I know that we're coming, we're coming, yeah, yeah, a hundred years, oh my God, it's almost as old as me. Uh, Anyways, uh, we're coming up to the break right now, and uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and myself, Ron Koch, and of course our very special guests – Dylan Jones, uh, who will be here at Spirit Quest next year. So I'm really oh, this year actually, so I'm really excited about that. And we're gonna take a break now. So you will be right back after the following messages right here on ToJNet and the Pararex Radio Network. <laughs>
0: An oasis in this hectic world. The creepy and the are kooky,
2: mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly, gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family.
0: They're strange. Arranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite rule. It's time to rendezvous
2: as we give awards to the Belly Rags family. <laughs>
1: Dewey happy and welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles international Austin um, David's Day special celebrating the life and works of the patron saint of the country of Wales um, my homeland uh, but not the place of my birth I'm English but we have a Welshman joining us tonight uh, the venerable bard uh, Dylan Jones.
2: Tell some rec- a teller of curious tales.
1: So, I was going to say, some might recognize his name. And of course, as a teller of curious tales, Dylan has also maintained the Great British Ghost Tour. And he spends his off time traveling around Great Britain, writing about and documenting the locations.
2: Uh, what a nice gig, its- huh? Oh, it's lovely.
3: <laughs> it's wonderful. Some of its most notable hauntings.
2: You still have your caravan.
3: I've still got it, yeah. I'm in it right now. So
1: I thought we'd um, kick off part two with um, perhaps a selection of...
2: Tales from the caravan.
1: Curious (laughs) tales from the caravan. Um,
3: (laughs) Welsh ones, of course, because it is... Of course, yes. Well, I think the first one I'm going to link back to one of those traditions that we've spoken about in Wales. And one of them is what was called the Watch Night. Now, in the 1700s, it was common for the family of a deceased person to be comforted by friends and family during the hours of darkness, and these were called watch nights. And some less caring people in the village of Bedwethi near Kefili used it as a bit of an excuse to have a drink, and on one such occasion it occurred after the death of someone's child. And whilst two of the watchers were becoming rowdy after a little bit too much drink, And an earthly groaning from outside the house startled them somewhat. And this made them calm down a little. But when the two troublemakers picked up playing cards, the groaning resumed. And they noticed that the dogs began to act in a strange manner, as if in a state of fright. And this convinced them that the supernatural world in Wales might have come just a little too close for their liking. And they never again misbehaved on a watch night. Ah, that's one of the little tales from around Wales. Is it real? Yes, it is. Yeah, um, there was a, a back back in the sort of seventeen uh, hundreds onwards. Uh, a number of people around Wales, you know, gathered these stories up and and put um, pen to paper. Um, so we've we've actually got a record of that taking place.
2: That's pretty cool. That's really interesting. And it, so. It pen the paper, and 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 of course now they're being uh, carried on the internet, so yeah. forever to be uh, listed, right or wrong. So course, there you
3: go. One of the things about Wales as well, and if you look at sort of the Welsh culture, we share things with with other countries around the world. I mean, Ireland has the banshee, and, and Wales has its own equivalent. Uh it is it's called no. the Grach Ribbin and it means hag of the mists. And it's this apparition a rather nasty scary looking creature acts as a death omen uh, often hideous to look at um, and very often emits uh, a wailing sound and one of these is said to be found uh, in and at uh, at Caffili Castle but Caffili Castle is a magnificent magnificent fort Um, it's reputedly haunted by a number of ghosts uh, by the Gracha Ribbon, by a Green Lady Um, and according to writings from the 19th century uh, the Green Lady herself is said to be a cross between a banshee and an elf. Um, and the castle is a fantastic place to visit. I think it's, I think it's the second largest in Britain. Um, so if you ever do come over on, you've got to go and have a look at it. Um, now, the Gracca Ribbon was sighted at the castle, according to, to local law, in the 18th century, and she'd rise out of the waters of the moat, and she was described as having droplets falling from her wings, talons and long hair and sparkling in the moonlight. Quite a sight, I would have thought.
2: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, that's uh, a lot of these stories or the the stories you tell uh, like passed on. There are multiple like sightings of this, or are they one they wondrous? In other words, you know, like the earlier when you talked about uh, it was pretty much a one But, uh, you know, a place that's haunted, are the, the ghosts seen there many times, or is it just, you know been reported once I think,
3: I think a lot of them are connected to sort of local folklore so trying to track down you know, who actually witnessed something it just goes so far back into the mists of time that you can't actually trace it apart from these sort of written accounts um i think some of them you have got to take with a you know a large pinch of salt um but there are others which dates more recently. And if you look at uh, Cardiff Castle, uh, which I visited yesterday, that is very much open to the public. Um, I'm actually booked to go on a ghost tour there this Friday. Um, They
2: offer ghost tours?
3: They do. Yeah, they do offer a ghost tour. Um, And a friend of mine, Jim, um, actually runs it, uh, and it's very, very popular. And I dare say, you know, that people still report things, uh, even, you know... Even today, strange noises, the occasional sightings, drops in temperature. Um, and these all run alongside some of the more common uh, stories associated with Cardiff Castle. Um, again, there's a, a, a grey lady there. There's a, a coach and horses, which is said to pull up and drive through the entrance. Um, and, you know, doors opening and closing, lights switching on and off, that kind of thing. So, yeah, the stories and the accounts are still coming in.
2: Steve, have you ever, invested, ever investigated uh, this castle?
3: Not Cardiff Castle, no. Uh, no,
1: but several of the other Welsh castles, Pembroke, Manibir, um Kidwelly, Kilgaren... Uh, I mean, we're not short of castles in Wales.
2: Um, <laughs> no.
1: And uh, yeah, many of them. In fact, it's hard. I what we go
2: Yeah, just to, to interject for a second, but I mean, that was the big thing in in Wales because the English were building big castles on the outside to take to take control of the whales, and the, the Wales barons were building them on the inside to protect them. Well, it's a. It, it, no.
1: it, it, Bit more complicated than that because the Welsh were great castle builders themselves. Although these were somewhat different than the, the castle that you would think of when you you know when you automatically think of a castle these giant stro- uh, stone uh, monoliths right. and fortifications. The Welsh had uh, castles of their own um, that go right the way back to their battles and wars with the Saxons. Um, you know, five six hundred years earlier. The castles that that everybody classically thinks of uh, were the English-built castles of Edward I, which were built in the 13th century.
2: The great castle builder
1: uh, to ring, yeah, to ring the uh, northern part of the principality, so that Edward could uh, subdue Wales. And then you also have uh, a a series of Norman earthworks and castles. So, all told, um, we're not short of them. I. If on a clear day from, from our house, which is, you know, we're on a fairly high spot, but on a clear day from our house, we can see uh, 12 of them, um, the nearest being less than a mile away. Um, but that's an earthwork castle. You've got the, you, you know, you've got the, the traditional gigantic earthwork, um, stone forts of Pambrick and Carew. Manabir. And Manabeer has a very interesting history attached to ghosts because it was the birthplace of Gerald of Wales or Gerald uh, Cambrensis, and he was possibly one of the very first ghost hunters or ghost noters uh, because really? he he travelled round in the 11th and 12th century. Uh, it, it was called the uh, the ita or the itinerary of Wales, and he travelled for the length of Wales, summoning ostensibly summoning support for the crusades. Uh, but on his travels, he also noted strange paranormal phenomena, including possibly the world's first ever documented poltergeist, which took place um, uh, the Stackpole Estate in Pembrokeshire, not uh, less than a mile from his own birthplace at uh, Manabea Castle.
2: Really, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, and what what was the activity?
1: Uh, it was it was your usual poltergeist activity. Uh, this being of objects being displaced, thrown about, uh, puddles and pools of water, um, of objects appearing and disappearing, of people being uh, interfered with, pushed and shoved. Uh, so it was, it was what we would label a classic poltergeist uh, manifestation. And also, interestingly, he noted that he suspected that the cause had more to do with the troubled um, mind of the person, uh, because the family were undergoing hardship and stress at the time. And he, Gerald actually notes that, that that may be an issue. Uh <laughs> In, in why why they were so manifested by this demonic, because he listed it as a demonic entity, why they attracted this demon.
2: Now, Dylan, are there, are there stories in Wales about the devil and, and demons as well?
3: There are, there are actually quite a lot. I mean, Wales, there are a few places where um, old Nick was said to have... Uh, had a wander up near Aberystwyth, and uh, there are plenty of villages which claim that uh, he turned up and uh, wreaked a bit of havoc, and often left the smell of sulphur. Uh, one of my favourites, though, is the um, the Gwyllki, uh, which is a Welsh word um, used to describe a particular kind of horror which would haunt lonely lanes and crossroads after dark, and it's um, very much connected with the uh, a phantom dog or the dog of darkness. Uh, oh, and in yeah. fact. favorite stories um, one of the earliest ones I come across and it absolutely fascinated me and terrified me in equal measure when I was a boy uh, occurred um, on the not far from the English border in a place called Monmouth Um, Actually, a little village just outside Monmouth called Redbrook and it's called the Swan Pool and this this pool you go there and it is the stuff of nightmares It's it's even in daytime. It's covered with trees. The road alongside it is overhung with trees. It's dark. It's secluded. And there is this swan pool. And it's a place for the faint hearted to avoid after dark. And what happens is the apparition of a mother cradling her child would rise from the water and vanish and following that, if that didn't scare the living daylights out of you, within moments, the ghost of this black dog, which was sometimes said to be headless, would come down brilliant. from the old lime kilns that were situated in the forest nearby and walk around the pool before making its way back into the woods. Mm-hmm. And that place, if you go there, it's, it's just got the atmosphere out of a horror movie. It's brilliant. And there are loads of those around Wales as well. And, and, and you've I, been there, I, huh? I have, a number of times, never seen anything. Oh, well, I was going
1: to say, Wales also has, I, th- I believe, uh, and it's an old road, uh, a road that is probably the only one named after a ghost, um, which is on the Isle of Anglesey, and is a, 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 now a much overgrown lane between fields, um, called Tlony Bubach, which means the lane of the ghost, or the lane of the spirit, because in Welsh, Bubach is a, uh, an unnatural spirit. And Slaney Bubak on the Isle of Anglesey is the lane where, of the spirit, where spirits are, where this spirit is said to haunt. And the the, the archaeological society on Anglesey um, suggests that the place, the, the the lane name, goes back at least five hundred years, and probably longer than that.
2: Well, I know even here at uh, VZ, where my office is, is we have uh, several trails that go through the woods, and one of them is called the Ghost Trail, and that got its name because uh, the people, the original people that were making these trails, and, and well, they were actually paths to start with, but uh, mapping them and so forth, they, they ran across a, a gentleman, and uh, they traveled down the trail, and they ran across him again, and, it, it, you know, he they left him behind, and, and yet he was there ahead of them. So it, there, there's a lot of these little stories about ghost trails and ghost roads. And uh, Steve, that, I'm surprised you haven't investigated that pool.
1: Uh, it 's a little distant besides which Dylan 's got it well covered um, <laughs> we can 't investigate everything and what you
2: that would with, intrigue me that really like,
1: would what are you to... dealing with Met? well yeah well, we could we could argue all night about um for constitution couldn 't we that intrigues me, but you don 't investigate it um we 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 have a lot of folklore um, and a great deal of places with an attribution of being haunted and it 's just it is. It is just folklore.
2: Um, you can't Yeah, but realistically... usually folklore is built on some facts. And...
1: It is, but but tracing the co- as Dylan knows well, tracing the actual fact, of the first account is incredibly difficult. Um, what's interesting though, you asked you asked Dylan earlier about modern modern hauntings at some of the castles, and right. there is there's been a definite change in the way that castles, in, uh, the Welsh castles, particularly the local ones here, have been haunted. Uh, when I first arrived in Pembrokeshire uh, 11 years ago, um, the big local castle, Pembroke Castle, uh, had a num- had two ghost stories related uh, to it, and uh, they were quite simple, quite mundane, um, run-of-the-mill ghost stories, uh, apparition scene, uh, nothing, nothing too spectacular. Uh, but then it got itself onto the ghost-hunting circuit, and it became a regular venue for a number of years of visiting ghost groups. And mm. at the last count, there I think there were 14 or 15 phantoms now haunting Pembroke Castle. Really? And it's not that dissimilar from Carew. Uh, Carew is famous for the ghost of Princess Nest. And, of course, most famous for its ghostly ape. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: which we've talked about a number of times on the show. But I love Pem- But Carew Castle is, is one of the, you know, it's in the it sort of top 20 of haunted attractions for the ghost tour. The ghost event nights out, and at the last count, again, it was topping, you know, well into double figures of the number of phantoms that are attributed to now
2: Haunt Carew Castle. Now, why do you think that is, I mean, I'm not asking you, you know, just your own opinion on it. Is is it that uh, people are just coming up with stories, or is it possibly, if you believe in ghosts that, that and they realize that there is an attraction to it, that they're going there, uh, it, or people bring them with them? Uh, I mean, there's, there's several thoughts that you could go down. Uh, what's your thought on that?
1: Well, because of my, if my curiosity was piqued, um, I did look into the history of a number of these attributed hauntings at Kerry mm-hmm. and Pembroke. Uh, and, tr- and trace them back because they didn't. You know, I'd, I'd never heard of them 11 years ago when I was speaking to the castle uh, staff. They didn't know anything about them, so I, I decided to take a look. And they don't go back at all. Um, they are simply a creation of the visiting ghost hunters. The mediums. The mediums claim that they've picked up on the ghost of. Uh, Blaming uh, on the mediums. Blah blah, blah blah blah. Well. It is the mediums or it comes through the spirit board or it comes through an E V P device or it right. it is it is the or work the beer. it is entirely the result of the current trend in ghost hunting and the number of people that visit. And what's also interesting is that a number of groups actually disagree with one another about the nature of the spirits because one group will pick up or claim to pick up something and another group will completely disagree
2: with them. Which is ridiculous that they, oh, well, they weren't there uh, when they were they were recorded And they certainly can't um, say by,
1: by recorded, you've got to mean that it usually comes through a spirit box Or an app, or a spirit board Or simply uh-huh. a person saying I am sensing the ghost of the inevitable small child Who's crying and is being
2: told yeah, lost and, his mummy
1: Blah, 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 blah yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Certainly, I mean, the but, case with the modern hauntings attributed to Kerry and Pembroke—it's a modern creation. They don't go back in history.
2: I, I know, but I, I think of uh, you know when you think of we we go back to religion and in, in in why the Ouija board is is of course poo pooed by the Catholic churches is, is because you don't know what you're going to get when you go through, and they they will become whatever you want them to become, and you know that that. If you take that logic, you could apply it to the ghost hunting, and they could very much be creating these ghosts, uh, or the ghosts could create what they want them to be.
1: I don't think you can use the word logic when you apply it to
2: some of the people that go ghost hunting. But Oh, you're such a a hot person. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but they're absolutely you know you can you can point fingers at where the where the legend where the myth starts to actually the person and group and, and occasion when that first uh encounter of the of the apparition the the spirit that said to haunt there or whatever dates because i've done it you know i i can tell you when the first attribution of bill at, at Pembroke Castle starts. He didn't exist prior to you know the visit right. of of this particular person. Now, you know, I'm not going to throw I'm not going to throw these idiots a lifeline by saying, oh perhaps they're, <laughs> perhaps they're psychic and perhaps they picked up on something that nobody else had picked up on. Frankly, they're making crap up because um, they're selling tickets to the, is the public.
2: Appearing what they want them to be. So
1: no. They're making rubbish up. You
2: don't know what to ghosts do and what ghosts um, don't do. You don't even know what a freaking ghost I is. I don't so
1: know go, what a ghost no, is. But no, 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 me. But I'll, but I'll wager these idiots are making it up.
2: I don't doubt that either, but that's besides <laughs> that. <laughs>
1: And I am not going to throw them a lifeline or even a crumb of comfort by acknowledging... <laughs> comfort. Their ludicrous nonsense as logical in any way, sense, or shape, or form. Before yeah, I mean, you know we'll be having Celebrity Ghost on Pembroke Castle next. Probably okay, will be. We'll be trying to get onto the television again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or Jason Haas. Uh,
1: yeah. Why did he block me? There's one of the great mysteries. Because you no <laughs> yeah, I called it Because I called him and uh, Grant the Super Mario Brothers.
2: Yeah, Super Mario Brothers. That was it. You're, you're, uh, <laughs> oh, how tough.
1: Oh, how touchy that New Englander turned out to be for a plumber.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, isn't he? Isn't he the? Hey, wait a minute, Isn't he the guy that hung? No, isn't uh, he the guy that hung up on Yvette, or Yvette hung up on him? I don't know. But one, one would, one might have
1: thought that you know, someone who's a plumber would be used to having crap thrown at them. Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh. Dylan, how do you feed into this? I mean, I know you remember Parasock, but you've got to walk the line or not. I mean, are you more open to Steve or you just go walk the straight and narrow with him and, and f- fail to uh, terrorize?
3: i well,
2: as I've said on many a times, my former career,
3: um, you know, being a police officer, you look to get what the evidence is. You're looking for the truth, you're looking for facts. Um, you want to establish whether or not there's a credible witness. If you can get a witness to start with, um, and a lot of these, a lot of these cases are just so bizarre and absurd. Um, And the groups, as Steve said, feed each other. Um, So you you can't actually end up getting anything reliable off any of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I, I agree completely with what Steve said. There's nothing else I can add to that.
2: I, I know. I just find it interesting. I know that you know the the Houghton Mansion in North Adams. We we were first to investigate it, and what we found at the time. Uh, when you look back, it was based on some type of uh, you know activity that occurred there and uh, a tragic action that occurred there. And but over the years, when they opened it up to ghost hunting in and, and week after week after week, the, the number of ghosts, as Steve said, increased, and uh, the number of incidents and uh, and different stories came out of out of the thing. Or and I've always was intrigued about that. Is it? You know, is it just is it just people making this stuff up, or is there a little bit more to it that's something that we quite don't understand as uh, paranormal investigators? What what occurs and and this this like I said could go back all the way back to the religious aspects of it, where or in, in a lot of the New Age stuff where you open doors and and other spirits come through and so forth. And I know that Steve is like baffing right now, but. Um, it, you know, it, it's a theory, and I don't say I agree no, with it or theory, disagree. It's
1: an idea. Theory it's an
2: idea. Theory, excuse me, theory, an idea. theory that...
1: is something that can be properly tested.
2: All right. Excuse me. It's an idea, Steve. Well, properly tested? Wait a minute. There was theoretical – wait a minute. There's theoretical – wait a minute. I can't even say the word. Theor... Theo – I can't say it. Yeah, oh, good... the idea. Theoretical uh, quantum physics, and, and that is just theoretical –
1: it can't be proven. It, it, it's actually a misuse of the word theory. Uh, the definition.
2: Yeah, I agree with you in a way, but it, it, it's it's you're right. It's an idea. It's, it's what people start. a notion. start. Notion. A notion's a good word. I like that. Yeah. But we have notions because I mean a lot of what, what ghosts are, and, and I mentioned this earlier, and, and you have said it a million times we don't even know what a ghost is, so we have our kids' okay. ideas or our notions about it. But uh, you know, if you don't want to say theories and that's fine
1: too. So, no, that's. I mean, that's how ghost hunting works. We we go along. We we listen to the witness. We look at the uh, the experience that people have had, and then we then develop a theory that we can then try and test um, mm-hmm. you know, to see if what we you know what we speculate is is um, an an idea that's that's workable. Um, if not, you know, we we have to go back and. Think of new new ideas and new tests, new new ways so, of
2: so. A planet, to go, so, planet to go. Something is is that okay? Someone has decided uh, that there's a new spirit there. Okay, Leroy, and there's no record of any Leroy there. How do you go to prove or disprove that Leroy is not there?
1: Well, if I'm honest, uh, if it was one person that said I've just I've just sensed a ghost and he's called Leroy, I wouldn't I wouldn't really bother myself over it. If I'm honest, uh, you wouldn't even note if, it. If if well, I'd note you... it, but if several people started to come forward with a similar account and they weren't connected in any way, there then then I would take more notice and I would look at you know what's the commonality between their uh, between these reports.
2: Oh, you kidding? It's all over.
1: And find out, you know, is there anything within what they're saying about their experiences that suggests something that we can look at? You know, are they saying that the temperature the room went suddenly cold, or that they, they, you know, something else happened to them that we could suggest may have a cause that we can try and eliminate as a possibility, and then see what's left. See what we're left with.
2: Mm -hmm. You agree with that, uh, Don?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, Steve is the scientist. I'm not a scientist. Um, yeah, but you know. you're a copper,
2: so I mean, you have the very logical mind, the very, yeah, show but, me the evidence
3: Yeah, you, you gather the evidence, and then right. I, I personally I would hand that over to Steve and say, right Steve, what do you suggest from this is the right way f- forward And unfortunately I don't think that paranormal investigators are doing that, they see themselves as the experts rather than consulting them so that's a different okay. story for the matter. you are no expert in the paranormal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that intrigued me. And, I, and I'm going to, we've only got like a minute or so on it. But I, I, I just, uh, I was watching this program. I forget what the heck. Oh, it was on Crystal Skulls. And, and guess who was on the, on the, the show debunking Crystal Skulls? Joe Nichols. So he's an expert on those, crystal skulls, you know, you name it. Anything paranormal, he's an expert on it. How do you get that? How do you become an expert? I mean, how much training and studying have you done on a particular subject? What, have you read a couple of articles, makes you an expert? What makes you an expert on, on particular subjects? Uh, the
1: ability to sell copy on the idea that you just, <laughs> make, you just take an opposing stance to everybody else.
2: Anyways, um, we do have to go. <laughs> so, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here at Tojeanette and Pararect Radio with uh, Steve Pass and Rod and our very special guest tonight, uh, Dylan Jones, who I will meet later on this year. Hopefully, if he doesn't yes, kick the bucket always. or in, if you do, you can come over in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> but there's the two so we got to go. Anything you'd like to add? Oh, what's your website, Dylan? GreatBritishGhostTour.co.uk. There you go.
1: And can you fix so, our dot .uk? It's still not working. Oh,
2: we'll sort that out. Yeah, sort that out, yeah. sure enough. Okay, so we're gonna go now. Uh, Dylan, thanks a lot. Steve, always interesting. And until <laughs> next time. <laughs> until next time uh, Tell me goodnight. a theory. <laughs> I've <have> less. <laughs> it could be an ocean. <laughs> and is that a wrap? I think
1: so. I think we got over that. From goalies to ghosties, long legged beasties,
2: and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good lord.